0: This is Passing for Normal, conversations with authors, artists, activists, and awakeners about how they are seeding change in the world. I'm Sharon Weil, author of Donnie and Ursula Save the World, the funniest book about love, sex, and GMO seeds you'll ever read. But mostly, it's about everyday courage and what it takes to get there in your own, personal, even unconventional way. So join us for fun and insightful discussion with some very inspirational people about how to turn purpose and passion into action, while at the same time, passing for normal. Welcome to Passing for Normal. Today my guest is writer, poet, teacher, Rebecca
1: Whereas The classic image of the writer is often as an overly active head on an ignored body. Rebecca Mark practices a whole-body approach to writing, one that moves seamlessly from words to movement to drawing and back again, as a way of generating deep creativity and giving voice to the unexpected. Her primary practice is the fluid movement work continuum, through which the voice and words emerge. She has been teaching this work for nearly 30 years with continuum founder Emily Conrad. Rebecca Mark is a professor in the English department at Tulane University. Her books include The Dragon's Blood, Feminist Intertextuality in Eudora Welty's Fiction, and Erzot's America, Hidden Traces, Graphic Text, and the Mending of Democracy. She was the founding director of the Newcomb College Institute in 2006, a founding member of the Deep South Regional Humanities Center, a recipient of the Mississippi Public Humanities Award, as well as many others. She is currently working on a second book on Eudora Wealthy entitled A Private Address, The Radical Wealthy, and a book of original poetry and artwork entitled Owl Eyes. Welcome, Rebecca. I'm here. Great. Well, so, Rebecca, you and I are both writers, and we're both deep practitioners and teachers of continuum movement. So I know the fluid territory that you work with, though I don't know the specifics of how you lead yourself and others through what you call words and ways. Can you start out by describing how it is you're working with the writing?
2: Well, I work with the writing in a very much uh, of a fluid way. I repeat often that the writing is movement. It's not anything but a record almost of the movement that is going on in our cellular body, in our brain waves. And I was able to see this because the moment I started working with Emily and Continuum, I was writing immediately after the experience of going into very deep dives of movement. And what came out of that writing was something I'd never seen before. I believe. Totally <laughs> you know it was just completely new I could not believe first of all the fluidity of my writing how easy it was to write since I started writing with continuum and with movement I've never had anything that I would even remotely call writer's block there's no idea of that in my mind anymore because the fluidity the writing comes out of the place where you are you are saying to the writing, tell me what you want to say, instead of that very sort of demanding idea of I will write this because either I've been told to write this or I must write this. Instead, what is it that needs to be said? So when we do the workshops, it's really quite uh, exciting because we get people who are somatic practitioners We get dancers. We get people who say, I would rather not talk. They literally, language is not the place that they dwell. At the same time, Mm -hmm. we get writers. We get uh, screenwriters. We get people who are trying to write a novel or write their biography or write their dissertation. We have many professors who come to Words and Waves. So this is a place where I really see the body and the, and the mind meeting in, in a way that this just doesn't happen in so many areas of our world. Emily and I came to this because we saw each other literally meeting. I was a PhD student. She was one of the foremost innovators in human movement, and we started to come together. I was in, a PhD student at Stanford in English literature. So I was literally dwelling with the word and she was dwelling with the movement. But the remarkable thing, as you know, Sharon, about (laughs) Emily is that she had an amazing ability with language. So I thought, this, we can do this. And we almost, very soon after we met, we started to uh, go through this inquiry. So when we get to the workshops, which last between four and five days, we have a pad of paper that is very large, eighteen by twenty four. So it gets people huge, out of huge pads of paper. Huge, huge. pads of paper. Huge. Yeah. And and we get people out of the idea of either a keyboard or a pad that's something that looks like school. Because <laughs> you know this from having been a mother, people are traumatized by school. They're traumatized mm-hmm. by English classes. They're traumatized by writing. So when we take these big pads of paper, and then we have these pens that you've seen, uh, that on one side is a brush, almost like a Chinese brush painter, and on the oh, other cool. side is a regular pen. So we can go back and forth. It's one pen, but it goes back and forth, and it allows for movement. And then I do a demonstration. Usually, we bring in the movement, and now uh, Linda Christman, who is a continuum practitioner, has been a continuum practitioner for 30 years and worked with Emily closely, is now doing the movement part of it, bring together the movement, and then now I will do either a breath, two breath, a continuum breath or a. Lunar breath, another continuum breath. And I will start with my pen on the pad, almost draped over the pad, so that the notion of how we would sit in a chair or a desk or, you know, if, if taken out and it's more like dance. And I will let whatever comes onto the pad come on. And it's usually sort of these lines that are hearing curious you know, moving in all directions and they look just like like almost like a, a snail left a trail. You know, something Ooh, a like snail that. That's wonderful. So not and, words. or you know not words at first, but they will often emerge into either a hieroglyphic of words that mm. look like words but they're not, or they'll mm-hmm. emerge into writing, actual words. And often the words that come out are at the beginning of a story, or the beginning of a place that i didn't even know I wanted to go, or a dialogue, and I will every day I will feed that room with more ideas about what would help enhance people 's writing, and often we have this writing sort of emerges as you know in the ozone and we have to say, no, tell a story. Stories are something exciting. And tell a story you know. Talk about a character you know. So the old forms of teaching writing come in, but they come in in a completely new field that just transforms them. So people who have never written before find themselves writing operatic, you know, long pieces or lyrics or songs or letters and we let all those forms come in and they're just amazing but they are intertwined always with the dissolving the deconstruction of the word into lines on the paper marks on the paper dots portals that we go down into almost uh, spider web designs uh, literally Letters that come out as hieroglyphs, glyphs, fascinating parts of letters. Letters that look like they were carved into a cave wall and letters mm. that look like, you know. So the whole, it's really scary, and this is the part to me that I don't, I know, you know how you know something, but you can't say why you know it. I know that what we enter when we combine movement and writing is the field of all writing that was ever done by humanity. We are literally tapping into something in the human brain. And this is where it's going to take a lot more years of inquiry. But we're tapping into something something in the human mind that literally has um, a uh, connection to expression <coughs> by a mark on whatever it is, the paper, the wall, the chisel, the stylus, the pen. And so it get becomes very intriguing. We have in each person <coughs> voicing, we now have people who've done writing the waves for, oh my goodness, some of them, 20 years. And each person's voicing is absolutely unique. Uh, Emily did not tend to draw as many of the shapes, but when she drew the shapes, there were these involutions that looked very much like something that she would do with her legs or her arms when she was doing the movement. So the writing itself, and then, because we're both writers, you know how important this is, the writing itself becomes a communal voicing after four days of workshop rather than, so you have these unique voices, but they all start to inform each other. So let's say you brought in an image the first day of a red raspberry. Well, that red raspberry becomes part of everyone's writing, but they take it in completely different ways. A particular, yeah. somebody, somebody's aunt who died, I remember once. Oh, my God, that aunt had a very interesting name. And the name of that aunt became part of everyone's writing. Well, that that does something that we don't even know yet what it does but it takes the charge off of individual trauma, for one. If you've gone through a terrible thing, but everyone in the room is holding it and writing it and moving it into drawings and creative expression and imagination and, you know, here's another fire and here's another wave and here's another excitement around that. You are not holding that story in a way that is, either painful or is somehow paralyzing your tissue or is doing something to your psyche that's not allowing you to speak, you are start suddenly being held and you're free to speak. And you can speak in poet or as a poet, you can speak as a you can speak in a hundred different ways. I've seen silent people choose to I'm gonna Finish this with two examples. I've seen one person who all she did was draw grasses per day. Grass, just grass, just drawing these grasses, and underneath the grasses, these words started to emerge. I mean, I mean, it was (laughs) phenomenal. And I'm thinking, what words are emerging? She was silent. She barely spoke, and the words that emerged were the full story of a sexual abuse incident that she had had as a child that she had no idea about. She never knew it had happened. And the story was told just like you were reading it from a newspaper. It was so clear. Wow. And it took then that we were in six- and seven-day workshops, and it took the full time for it to emerge. That was one thing that just had my. You know, Jaw dropping, like <laughs> so. Doing. Where do you think the, Where do these?
1: Where do these words come from? Where do these? Sto- I mean, for her, it came from under the grass, but but where do they come from in our psyches? Where are they held?
2: That is where well, I think that it is. A, what I believe, and you know, what you believe and what you know are two different things. What yes. You believe <laughs> so what I believe at this point is that because our society, the way it is now, is uh, a, so sped up and so really traumatic in so many ways, just it's sped up, it's tense, everyone is suffering from some form of uh, stress, that our imaginations have literally been squished, like they've been held in a very frozen kind of way, imagination is not valued. When a child goes to school and they draw something that sort of looks like a giraffe and looks like an elephant and might look like a Martian, the teacher is trained, unfortunately, to say, what is it? And the moment they say, what is it, part of the kid just dissolves. We also, this is one of the things that I think is very detrimental to this to how our imagination is freed, And I'm going to get back to that question you're asking about where this is held. So that one of the things that happens is, A, we think we need to write things either in a scientific way or a realistic way. And drawing itself, which I think has a whole different field than writing, is stopped. By the time we're about, you know, you might get up to fourth grade if you have good... Teachers and yeah. then you end up if you want to draw, you have to be an artist well, that 's very scary for people. they can 't be an artist. If you want to be a writer, you have to be a writer rather than saying, this is our birthright, and you know Emily would always say this it is our birthright to breathe and move and be in touch with cellular emotions and understand the full juice of our lusciousness, our wetness, I say it is our birthright to draw, to write, to make marks on the paper. And those marks, when I do them, they don't look like anything. I could not possibly reproduce them. I could not say, I am going to draw this. You and I could sit down right now. Anybody listening could sit down right now and draw a house and a tree and a dog. Okay, but could we draw these mysterious wanderings of the pen that we, we couldn't produce, we just couldn't produce? So yeah. get back to your question, where is this held? It's held in our amazing, uh, you know, sourcing in our brainwaves, literally in the cells of our brain, that when they are released from the demand of by the realism or do it right or get an A or or get this to the journal by 5 o'clock or whatever, when they're released from that demand, they express. And it's just the most incredible expression because we actually, the people in this workshop and some of the people are going in directions that are so phenomenal, and I want to really make a shout out Hannah Weiss Hiding, who has been documenting it. She's documenting it in a movie called Marks on Paper. She has yes, documented it's an incredible film. It. And you know, the uh she's documenting it with some of the people in the workshop and these people are going to go on to to be performance artists and artists and they are starting to take this work and move it out into the world in ways I could never have thought of. Because getting back to your question, where is it held? It's held in those most mysterious of places that ancient cultures knew. Ancient cultures knew you had to take pen to paper, brush to paper, for a hundred years to release it into the world. You had to give yourself ritual time. You had to take the winter and tell stories all winter to the next generation. But because we have not given ourselves the space and time, then those stories get crunched and they get lost. And my deepest belief is, you know, it makes me weep if I can allow people the space to let their imagination live. Any notion we have that this person is an artist and this person is not needs to go just out the window. Any notion we have that this person is a writer and this person is not. Now certainly there's people who are more forward with it who can have easier time with it and but every from what I've seen in this workshop over the past thirty years, everybody does magnificent piece, these pieces of drawing or marks on paper that are so extraordinary that I couldn't even I can't even express them unless you were to see them. You'd have to see them. And they are movement. They are literally the movement of the mind making itself known. The movement of imagination making itself known. So that the writing itself is movement. That yeah. I mean. that's, well that's it sounds I mean. so it sounds so freeing.
1: Just even the yeah. space you know, I mean I'm a writer and I work on a eight by eleven piece of paper, you know, I work on the right. computer screen or whatever. You know, just to be just to have that go away or that to be expanded and that it's it's okay for it to be words, for it to be shapes, for it to be symbols and that and that it all is going to lead you someplace. You know, just like the right. movement of continuum, you're following the impulse. You're following um, the movement itself, and here you're following the movement into these other dimensions that um, that have to be. Now, um, do you have an
2: example of some of the writing that might come from this kind of process? I have an example of the end of the last workshop. I always like to go with what is current because I am uh, going back through literally years of these pads and and scanning them and working them and I'm I've got a book that the um, the tentative title for the book is Owl Eyes and mm-hmm. I'm not sure but it is going to be about a hundred pages of these writings and drawings that I've done over the years so this is just a piece that I can share with you it happened at the end of the workshop. We had been talking a lot about war. We had been writing horror stories. We had been talking about the, the devastation that we all had with these bombs going off all over the world. So this was the piece that came to me, and I'll just share it with you today. Um, on Tuesday, the blind scribe gave away his pens, chisels, brushes, ink pots, styluses, drums, and began to lick meadows with his drumming tongue. On Tuesday, the world lit up with bombs and buckled and fell in the ocean. On Tuesday, she tasted her mother's breast milk. On Tuesday, the birds cried out, By God, why have thou forsaken me? On Tuesday, the boy raised his arms in the air, I do not have a gun. On Tuesday, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, the water was cloudy. Great. So that's that's a piece, and it has all kinds of, of echoes to things that other people were doing in the workshop. But one of the things that starts to happen is the the sort of for for me at least in my writing, mine it's very different than other people's, but I get that kind of beat on Tuesday. On Tuesday and you've heard the piece, the Fred and Ethel piece where you're going yes. back, Fred says Ethel says so you get you're covering enormous amount of territory, but you're doing it with a sort of you're grounded in the on Tuesday. And to me, that's almost that voice linking back to the cell and to the, and to where am I, how, you know, the embodiment of writing that you mentioned in the introduction. So it's very, and you know, you'll find that there's a lot of embodiment in this, that the, the scribe is actually licking the meadows with his drumming tongue, putting down pens and brushes and everything, and then also uh, You get the Ferguson on Tuesday, the boy raised his arms in the air, I do not have a gun, but I'm not talking about it, I'm naming it, so it's very different. And on Tuesday, she tasted her mother's breast milk, well, there was this big drumbeat in the group about bonding and mother love and how so many of the people who were brought into terrorist organizations had been cut off from their mother. So, so many of the young boys, so that mm-hmm. was something we had mm-hmm. talked about. Mm-hmm. And then we mm-hmm. talked about a lot of the birds that were dying now because of pollution and the birds that, um that we were at, you know, talking about the Africa beautiful African bird that was in the workshop room that was, you know, almost mourning for Emily that had been in her, uh, in her apartment.
1: Yes. so people, people our listeners it, yeah. may not know that, that Emily yeah. passed away recently.
2: Um, yes, and yeah. Emily and so, passed away recently, and her bird that she had in her apartment was with us in the studio, and so the bird crying out, my God, why have thou forsaken me, ties back to Emily. But it doesn't really matter, I hope, if you knew any of those things, because the piece is very uh accessible anyway i hope. that's right no it, does, it doesn't it doesn't matter and
1: these are these um these phrases are encapsulating everything that right. went into them right Exactly. Um, and and this work uh generated in this workshop could then be crafted to become anything right i mean it could be ca- it crafted can be
2: craft- you can paint. take it and make it whatever you want we have uh amada's Uh, I hope that's how you pronounce your name, is it? Destrube. Emma Destrube. Emma Destrube is doing these amazing, like, psychological geographic maps. Erla is doing these extraordinary drawings that have come out of the work. Uh, We've got uh, Sydney is doing amazing work with uh, with. Character. She, she was in acting and performance, but she does these characters that have these stories that are extraordinary. So you can go whatever way you want with it. She's done a short sort of uh, a piece that, that Hanna recorded that she's going to use and see what she wants to do with it. And then Hanna has put out an actual book of poetry, L'Ite de Sorte, which is very uh, beautiful amazing work that came directly out of of Words and Waves, and Emily's book, Life on Land, which many of you have read, Life on Land, huge sections of it were written first in Mm -hmm. Writing the Waves, and people often talk about sort of the heart of their work being there. Then you have to go back and you have to edit and do all the things a writer does, and choose like now I'm choosing, I probably have two thousand pages. I have to choose one hundred out of that. That's a yeah. very big thing. But still but what a all fertile
1: things. what a fertile, freed up, you know, wide ranging, multidimensional uh generating of of right. this um, of this story that can then be crafted in in any number of ways. Rebecca' right. we're, I told you that this half hour was going to go really fast, and it's gone really fast. I mean we could be right. I feel like we're just we're just kind of dropping down to the first layer of this, and hopefully we'll have other conversations about this on the air. but to that wrap would be up wonderful. Today, yeah, but to wrap up today, um can you tell us how people can find you, how they can find out more about these workshops that you do
2: the the work that's come out of it? How can we find you? Well, the, for me, it's very simple because I am a professor at Tulane University, so I am at Rebecca at Tulane.edu. Very simple email address. Uh, Rebecca with one B, two C. and you can always find me because I'm an English professor. so should just go to the English department. Linda Chrisman, who is now teaching with me since Emily passed, is, has a website, Linda Christman, somatic teacher, and she, and, and many other things. She's uh, a wonderful, mysterious, creative person. And she's she, wonderful. It, it, her, her she's wonderful. her web, yeah, she's just wonderful. And yeah. she's done a lot of work with painting and, uh, continuum, and is now bringing that work into her exploration in words and ways. And she's doing most of the organizing of the workshops. So they are right now on her webpage, Linda Christman, and you can just look it up on Google, and you you'll find it. And she has. you spell Chrisman? Linda Great. Christman, mm-hmm. and she has all the workshops. We have a workshop coming up in Vashon Island, which is a terrific place, uh, right That's near gorgeous. west Seattle. Totally gorgeous. Sharon's been there. Amazing. And we'll have a three-day workshop there, 7th, 8th, and 9th of November. And then we have a workshop in February, and we'll have to look at the dates. I don't have the dates for that, but it's in February in Santa Monica at the studio, at the Continuum Studio. And then we have another workshop in July at the studio. The dates have not been confirmed for that, but we're pretty sure it's the third week in July and all that information is on Linda's website and also you can find us on the Continuum website if you go into uh, workshops in California, the section that has workshops in California.
0: So in the Continuum
2: is, And the Continuum, the Continuum website Continuum is ContinuumMovement.com Continuum and I will be putting together this book, Allies. We've got the a, a, a marks on paper that Hannah Weiss-Hiding did and that should be available at some point. We've got to get permissions for that and then we have the the uh, the movie on Emily, the DVD on Emily called M. Moved by Hannah Weiss-Hiding and we will begin to have uh, more availability of images and possibly, I think the next possibility is that we will have a um, have a website, a Words and Waves website, and I think mm. that's in the works. It should be in the next months. We'll have Incredible. a website. Incredible. I am. Well, I have a book coming out, but I think I'm done timeline. <laughs> well, I mentioned it in the introduction. So um, we're good. So we're
1: good. You are a treasure. And, um, such a wealth of, uh, of depth and of seeing and of permission. You know, granting people permission and granting the creativity itself permission to arrive. Well, I and hope I'm you know. I'm so grateful to you. I'm so grateful to you for speaking with me
0: today and I look forward to more. Well, thank you very much. This has been Passing for Normal, conversations about seeding change in the world. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to passingfornormal.com. That's passing, numeral four, normal.com. Donnie and Ursula Save the World is available in paperback, Kindle, and soon to be an audiobook at DonnieandUrsula.com. So go out and do something brave today. M Earth and I thank you.